It's good to have you in the house of the Lord today, and all of you joining us online, we welcome you as well, wherever you are, viewing or listening to this sermon today. I um, have an outline for you today, primarily made up of Scripture. It should look like this. Does everybody have one of these? Um, there's a few in the back here, Dave, that do not have some of these, I think. Uh, Linda, are those on the foyer? Okay, they're on the foyer. So, if again, um, raise your hand if you do not have a copy, and we'll make sure you get one. Um, I want to speak to you today on the subject of power and authority. Everybody say power and authority. Amen? God wants us to walk in power and in authority. So, as we focus on this, I want you to know that Jesus not only died for your sins, He died so that you could be made whole. Physically, spiritually, mentally, emotionally, financially, relationally, God didn't leave anything out. And one of the most important things that he did not leave out is he did not leave you powerless. When we were in sin, we were powerless against it because we did not know God. But once we gave our lives and our hearts to Jesus and got forgiven of that sin and got the chains of sin removed, amen, how many believe that your chains have been removed? God gave us the power to stay out of those chains. And you know, we, lend, we live in the land of the free and the home of the brave, but there are still people in America that are in the kind of slavery, a slavery to sin. Slavery to doing things that you can't just seem to get the power to overcome. But I want you to know Jesus didn't leave us that way. Now, I'm going to take you through several scriptures, and as I do, I want you to hear the words about power and authority. Focus on those two things. First of all, in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 5, it reads, but realize this, that in the last days, difficult times will come, for men will be lovers of self. Now, as I read this, I want you to just think about each of these descriptions and see if we're not living in those days. For men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, malicious gossips, without self-control, brutal, haters of good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, holding to a form of godliness, although they have denied, here it is, its power. Avoid such men as these. Now pay close attention to what he said in verse 5. He said, holding to a form of godliness, 
although they have denied in its power. And I want you to keep in mind that verse because everything that was listed in verses 1 through 4, we have the power and authority to overcome. However, if God's people live their lives as power-denying Christians, saying, I can't overcome this, I can't, I can't, I can't, how many of you know you won't? But the Bible says that we can do all things through Christ who gives us the strength. What's another word for strength? He gives us the power. He gives us the ability, and with that power comes authority. Now, I want to say this. If I give you a job to do in the church, I'm going to give you the power to do that. And if you are a leader in that, you have the authority in that. Like right now over at Kids Church, I am not leading that. I have delegated that authority to those that are there, and they have the authority and the power to act in my name. That's what God has done with every pastor of every church. They are not God, we are not God, but he has given us his authority and power to lead his church and his people into the things of God. Amen? So, I want you to understand that the definition of power for our purposes today, I have this on your outline for you, is this. It is the authority to act or do something according to a law or rule. I'm going to read it again. Power, for our purposes today, is the authority to act or do something according to a law or rule. In the Greek, the word almost always points to a new and higher force that has entered into the midst of things, God, and that we are working in this lower world of ours in that power. That's what Jesus did when he came to this world. His world, and I've talked to you about this being the kingdom of God or the invisible kingdom, he made visible when he walked in this world. And um, so in other words, we have help from on high to uh, do what needs to be done down here below. We have a higher power, and we have a higher authority. Likewise, authority in your outline is defined as the power to command or act. Now, I want you to notice that. Do you see, do you see what's happening in those definitions? The definition of power is actually having authority, the authority to act or do something according to law or rule. And authority is the power or the right to command or to act. So if someone is in power and has authority over something, right there are your definitions. So authority, I want you to really get gather this today. You're not going to ask the devil to get gone. You're not going to ask the devil to please get out of the way. You're going to command it. I'm going to give you an example here in just a moment. But when we are walking in the power that God has given us, 
by the Holy Spirit, the first thing a Christian has got to become comfortable with is taking command in situations. Taking command in a situation that would create fear or where fear would be. You take command and you take authority over fear and you speak to the spirit of fear and say, you get out of my house. Your little baby wakes up with a night terror or a, you know, a, a, a dream that's bad. You take authority over that and you command. You command. You don't ask the devil to get out. Amen? Here's a great example to help us understand power and authority as it relates to how we operate or we should operate in the Christian, uh, as a Christian in our world. And it's a military illustration. Now, if you know anything about the American military, there is one thing that is clear, and that is you are given orders. Everybody say orders. And those orders are to be followed whether you like them or not, whether you're comfortable with it or not. Whether it's a 10-mile hike and you just like a one-mile stroll. They're not asking your opinion. They're not asking how you would like to dress for the occasion. They're not asking how you would like your hair cut. You all get the same thing. Amen? And the person in authority has the right to make the decision, and those under their command must do what they're told to do. There's no debate. Hello? There is no going around the circle and seeing how everyone feels. How do you feel about this command? Can you imagine a sergeant, a drill sergeant in the United States Marine Corps asking you how you feel about his command? They don't ask your opinion on the subject, and person under authority doesn't have the right to say no without suffering consequences. That is the best illustration I can give you about power and authority that we have on this earth when we are working in the midst of issues that are devil-inspired. Do you remember the story, true account, of the centurion who came to Jesus? Look at Matthew chapter 8, verse 5. It's the next one on your outline. It says, now when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him, imploring him and saying, Lord, my servant is lying paralyzed at home, fearfully tormented. Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. But the centurion said, Lord, I'm not worthy for you to come under my roof, but just say the word. Just say the word. And my servant will be healed. For I also am a man under authority. I want you to notice he didn't say he's a man in authority, although he was. He's saying, I'm under your authority. Now, this is a Roman soldier. Jesus is a Jewish teacher. Rome has occupied Israel. This is an enemy soldier saying, just speak the word, for I am a man under authority with soldiers under me. Now, there he does talk about authority. And I say to this one, go. Notice this. He didn't say, I ask him. He said, I say to him, go, 
And guess what he does? He goes. And to another, he says, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. Now, when Jesus heard this, church, this is one of the most amazing scriptures to me in the entire Bible. Watch this. When Jesus heard this, he marveled. Do you know how many times that's stated in Scripture? I'm going to challenge you to find out. I'll, get, I'll, I'll tell you this. There's not very many. He marveled, and watch this. He said to those who were following, Truly I say to you, I have not found such great faith with anyone in Israel, including his cousin John. You say, Pastor, why would you say including his cousin John? Because his cousin John even sent some of his disciples and said, are you the one? Are you truly the one? And Jesus sent him back and said, hey, you just tell John. He's in prison. He's kind of a little concerned. You just tell him, the deaf hear, the lame walk, the blind see. Yeah, I'm him. This man was an officer in the Roman army. He understood authority. And when he asked Jesus to heal his servant, Jesus offered to come to the man's home. The centurion tells Jesus he understands authority. He understands that if Jesus could only speak the word. Everybody say, speak the word. His servant would be healed. And the centurion gave Jesus several examples of his understanding of authority and credited Jesus with having authority over sickness and disease, even to the power, even to the ability to not even be present, and it would be healed. And do you know what? At that very moment, his servant was healed. At that very moment. Now, in Matthew chapter 28... Verses 18 through 20, after Jesus has risen from the dead, he said, we got to capture this, all authority. You want to mark the word all because all means there's nothing left that cannot be there. It's not almost, it is all. All authority has been given to me, to who? Jesus. Watch this. In heaven and on earth. Now, he's just instructing us. This is what has happened. I have all authority. Here it is. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And, lo, I am with you always even to the end of the age. That means I'm with you when the times are good. I'm with you when the times are bad. I'm with you when people are praising you. I'm with you when people are persecuting you. I'm with you when you're not in jail. I'm with you when you are in jail. Paul, Peter, John, on and on. Now turn to Mark chapter 16. Are you catching this? And he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Sounds a lot like Matthew 28, doesn't it? He who has believed and has been baptized shall be saved. But he who has disbelieved shall be condemned. Now watch this. 
these signs will follow or will accompany. Say, I'll be followed. When you come to Jesus and you begin to follow Jesus, you are a follower of Jesus. All of a sudden, something is going to start following you. What are those things, Pastor? I'm glad you asked. Let's look at this. These signs will follow those or accompany those who have believed. In my name, they. Everybody say, that means me. In Jesus' name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will pick up serpents. And if they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and the sick will recover. Now, watch this. It doesn't say that they might. It doesn't say that they could or they should. It says they will and they will recover. Now, in these two scriptures of Matthew and Mark, we see that Jesus received all power, all authority when he rose from the dead. I want to tell you what happened. When he died, the Bible says he went into the lower parts of the earth. He went into paradise. We know he went into paradise because on the day that he died, he had two thieves, one on each side of him. One ridiculed him and mocked him, and one started out like that but ended by saying, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And what did Jesus say? Today you will be with me where? In paradise. Paradise was an underworld department with a huge chasm Huge, we understand chasms in, in, in Phoenix, in Arizona, right? We got a really one of the biggest chasms in the world up north called the Grand Canyon. There was a chasm between paradise and Hades. And Jesus talks about it in Luke. There was a certain sick man named Lazarus. I'm not going to go through the whole story, but it's there for you to read. And Lazarus is in paradise, Abraham's bosom, and the king is in Hades. And they could talk to one another. The Bible says Jesus ministered to the spirits who had gone on before him. So what happened is when Jesus died, he took authority back that the devil stole in the garden from Eden. So he took back from Satan what Adam had given up to him. In the Garden of Eden, Jesus took the authority back. Why is a cow named a cow? Why is a horse named a horse? Why, why, why do we call those things that? Because that's what Adam called them. Do you know that God did not even take, he, he actually gave his authority to call his creation by the name of whatever, whatever Adam came up with. So if you wonder if something has a weird name, we'll get to talk to Adam about it one of these days. But that's the kind of authority that God gave Adam, and Satan stole that in the garden, but Jesus took it back after he died. Once he had the authority, once Jesus got that authority back, he gave that authority back to man. And what he did is he told the disciples to go out into the world and preach the gospel, and those who would believe on him would receive power to cast out demons, 
to heal the sick, to raise the dead. And that authority was given to those who believe, not so we can walk around and say, look what I can do, but so that people would see and accept Jesus. Because the message of God is not just in word, but in action and in deed. Christ has given us that authority. And although, please, please walk with me on this, although we have been given power and authority in this world, our opening text says that there are those in these last days who have a form of godliness, but they deny the power. I want to share a few references with you. They're on your outline, and I've done it for you this way, So, because I want to go through that. I don't want to belabor these. I just want to mention them, and I want you to have them there for you. Um, Acts chapter 1 and verse 8 promises us, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. That word power in the Greek is the word dunamis, and it means dynamite. And if you've ever seen, been around when dynamite is blasted, it is powerful. I, I've, I've been around it when it blew out part of a mountain down in South Fork, Colorado, and it is powerful. You, you can feel the percussion in your chest rattling telephone poles. You will receive dynamite power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest part of the earth. And God changed fishers into fishers of men. Acts 4.33, and with great power the apostles were giving testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and abundant grace was upon them all. One of the deacons, first deacon, one of the first seven, Stephen, Acts chapter 6, 8, full of grace and power, was performing great wonders and signs among the people. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 5, so that your faith, here it is, would not rest on the wisdom of men, but on the power of God. 1 Corinthians 4.20, for the kingdom of God does not consist in words, as I mentioned before, but in what? In power. Ephesians 3.20, now to him who is able to do exceeding abundantly beyond all that we ask or think, according to what? Now hold on there. Uh, What power? The power that works where? God has the power, but here is a verse showing us It's according to what is being used through us. Let's look at it again. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly or exceedingly abundant above all that we ask or think. How many of you can ask some big things of God? How many of you can think of things that you think, I don't don't even know if I, I should probably not ask God that. How many of you can trump your asking by your thinking? You can think up some more stuff. God, that's why I think God put it in there. You know, you may be brave enough to ask for something, but I'm not going to pray for this thing that I'm thinking. Well, he's able to even trump that. According to the power that is at work within you. So you've got to ask yourself the question right now today, what power of God is working in me? How much is there? 
Look at Ephesians 6.10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. 2 Thessalonians 1.11. To this end also we pray for you always that our God will count you worthy of your calling and fulfill every desire for goodness and the work of faith with power. 2 Timothy 1.7, for God has not given us a spirit of timidity or or, or fear, but of power. First thing out of the box, love, discipline, south mind. In Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, way back at the beginning, God is telling his disciples, and this included those in the upper room with them, that they would receive power when the Holy Spirit came upon them, which the other scriptural references proved had happened. And Paul told the church at Ephesus that power works within us and that we should be strong in the power of Jesus' might. Paul told Timothy that God had given him a spirit of power, love, and of a sound mind. Not too many days earlier, Peter was denying Jesus that he even knew him around a group of people that he was afraid of. On the day of Pentecost, he preaches a a, a message I can read in three minutes. And 3,000 people respond and give their hearts to God. This was a fisherman that was a doubter. This was a fisherman that was afraid. This was a person who, before the Holy Spirit, was one way. And after the Holy Spirit, was another way. Even the Pharisees could see that these men had been with Jesus. My point is this, we have been, been, been given power and authority to operate in this world. Do you recall what I read at the very beginning where Paul told Timothy in his second letter to him to avoid, well, I'm going to walk on some really soft ground right here, avoid those who had a form of godliness but denied its power? Why would we be told that? Because that thinking will get on you. Well, you know, Pastor, we're just a sinner saved by grace. No, listen. We were a sinner. But we got saved by grace. And this is what the Word of God says. Now you are saints by calling. In other words, the way God sees you is no longer as a sinner. Because the blood of Jesus... Listen, if the blood of Jesus does not wash away sin... That's why I don't use the word atonement, because atonement is truly an Old Testament statement. Atonement meant that the blood of those bulls, calves, goats, and and lambs, they were given in order to atone for the sin, okay, and push the sin ahead a year. It never removed the sin. Do you get that? It never took the sin away. The only time sin ever fully got removed was when Jesus was was, was killed, was sacrificed, gave up his life on the cross, and that blood was poured out. That went all the way back to Adam and all the way into the future. When we refuse to acknowledge the power within us and to operate within it, We are denying that power. And our enemy wins when we can when he can get us to think that we're defeated and weak. You can't do that. Listen, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Don't let anybody tell you you can't do that. 
If you're believing for a thousand people to get saved, I'd probably say you're, 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 that's what you're asking God for, but you're probably thinking about 10,000 or a million. God can trumpet. He can trump that. It is hard for many Christians to think about having the power of God flowing through them, even the power to cast out a demon or pray that someone can be healed. Why? Because they know where they are in their faith walk, and they understand that unbelief is residing there. Let me apply this to us today. It's easy to go to church and Bible study and be a private Christian. It is easy to sit in the shadows and go through the motions of Christianity without ever coming close to walking in the power and the authority that we need in order to make a difference in this world. Do you know that God does not call us to safe places to do easy things? He calls us to dangerous places to do hard things. When Peter and John came upon the lame man in Acts chapter 3, you know what Peter doesn't do? He doesn't pray for God to heal him. I encourage you to read Acts 3. Do you know that the person that they healed had been sitting at that gate beautiful a long time? Do you know that that man was there for nearly 40 years? So I know he was there the three years Jesus was ministering and was in and out of Jerusalem all those times. Why didn't Jesus heal him? Because that was Peter and John's job. Can I tell you, Jesus did what he was called to do. He said, I've only done what I see the Father do. In other words, I only do what it is God's called me to do. Listen, you can't do everything but what God has called you to do. Praise God, you can do. Are you getting anything out of that? Peter said, silver and gold have I none. In the name of Jesus, take up your bed and walk. He commanded. He was like a sergeant. And guess what the guy did? He did it. He went walking and leaping and praising God to the amazement of the Pharisees to the point where they even go to his mom and dad and go, this guy, what's going on? You know, Jesus does not want us confused about the power and authority that he promised us. And if we will surround ourselves with people who believe that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us, we'll do all things through Christ who strengthens us. But if you surround yourself with people who believe that we just exist in this world and we just do the best that we can, but we have no authority over the enemy, then no one will operate in the power of that authority that Jesus died and rose again to give us. Because power and authority are exercised when there is a right to exercise it and the person with the power and the authority, here it is. We have a right to exercise it, but that person has to own it. You have to own it. You have, to, you have to put on that mantle that you have been given and see yourself 
the way God sees you. I think so many times we don't see ourselves the way God sees us is because the world keeps telling us what we aren't. Amen? I want to also make clear that this power and authority, it's not for our gratification. It is not for our edification, but for the building up of the kingdom of God. I shared with you earlier that in order for us to walk in this power and authority, we have to own it. We have to take ownership. Say, take ownership. Do you know what ownership is defined as? Ownership is defined as the legal right of possessing something. That means you've got a legal right to what I'm talking about. You have a legal right to power and authority that Jesus said he gave you already. And I've already shared with you that we've been given the power and authority legally through Jesus, but that does not mean that we have taken ownership of it. Ownership of anything is personal. Illustration that I gave you earlier. Two thieves on the cross with Jesus. First thief says, if you're the Christ, save yourself and us. The other thief said, we deserve to be on this cross. Jesus doesn't. He said they were guilty. Jesus wasn't. He said, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said, you will be with me today in paradise. That was his confession. What happened? I'll tell you what happened. The second thief, he took ownership of his sins. He took ownership of his fate while the first thief didn't. And it is not enough that we've been given the power and authority. We have to clear up any confusion about it. And one of the people you need to, one, one of the ones you need to let know is the devil. And that is how bondages get broken. That's how habits get broken. You say, I just, I can't, I can't get rid of this habit. No, not in your power, but man, God can do it. And you speak to that spirit. This morning, I want you to understand who you are in Christ. So you're not confused about your power and your authority. The Christian walk is not a walk that will bring you glory and honor on this side most of the times. If we are truly walking in the power and authority that God has given us through his son, we will suffer because people will not accept us. The son of God did himself. We will not have the tolerance, hear me, in 2023, we will not have the tolerance for some things that are considered normal. We will have struggles because of what we believe and what we stand for. And sometimes you are going to be alone. But you're never alone. Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. And do you know what, what I found about truth? Truth stands alone. But I want you to understand that through it all, you're going to overcome. And I'm going to put the caboose to this. I'm going to close this morning with what Paul said to the church at Corinth, as recorded in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Now I'm going to read verses 7 through 18. It's there on your outline. This is what Paul told the church. And as we read these verses, I want you to pay close attention to the number of times that you see and hear the word but, B-U-T. The word but is used to introduce something as we see it. It's going to introduce something that is true, 
in spite of being contrary to what has just been said. Now let's begin at verse 7. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels. Why? So that the surpassing greatness of the power will be of God and not from ourselves. Now here are some of the buts. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not despairing. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying about in the body the dying of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. For we who live are constantly being delivered over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death works in us, but life in you. But having the same spirit of faith, according to what is written, I believed. Therefore, watch this, I spoke. When you believed upon the Lord Jesus Christ, did you say anything? You believed in your heart and your mouth made confession. I believe, therefore I spoke. We also believe, therefore we also speak, knowing that he who raised Jesus from the dead uh, will raise us also with Jesus and will present us with you. For all things are for your sakes, so that the grace which is spreading to more and more people may cause the giving of thanks to abound to the glory of God. Now watch this. Therefore we do not lose heart, but though our outer man is decaying, any of you all getting older? Any of you all thinking, man, this outer man's really decaying? I just looked at my hair the other day, just yesterday. I was like, man, I lost more. I, I know I lost more this year. And it's, and it's losing in place. I'm like, man, I don't want it to lose it there. That's a sign of decay. Yet our inner man is being renewed day by day. In other words, you're getting newer on the inside as you're getting older on the outside. For momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. That sounds invisible to me. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are, praise God, they're eternal. So if life has got you down with all the garbage going on, You can get renewed today in your mind. The word but appears ten times in those scriptures. And each use of that word counters what was said before. Let me say it again. Afflicted? Any afflicted? I got good news for you. You're not crushed. Perplexed? Anybody perplexed? But not despairing. How many of you are persecuted? You're not forsaken. 
How many of you feel struck down? You're not destroyed. So the life we live as a Christian, if we will walk in power and authority that God has given us, we will suffer, but we will overcome. Things may get dark, but we'll always see the light. We know who we are in Christ. We know we're aliens in this world. Everybody look at your neighbor and say, I see an alien right beside me. If you ever wonder, man, this just doesn't seem like home. It's because it ain't. No, it's not good English, but it ain't. We know the perilous times we're living in, but we're not confused. Stand with me. I'm just going to simply release you today with a blessing. Do you know that the Bible says what you bless, God will bless? Bow your head. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift his countenance upon you and give you peace. Go in the power and the authority that Jesus gave you. Walk in it. Stand in it. And after having done all, keep standing. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Have a great week. See you next Sunday.